This is the new LOL podcast, and I am Karen Stewart. My goal is to challenge you, motivate, and encourage you to live your life boldly as a Christian out loud. Do me a favor. If you find anything of value, any motivation, any encouragement, help me spread the word like this. Share it on all your channels. And thanks for listening. Let's get started. Whenever I read the story of Adam and Eve in the garden, I kind of marvel a little bit. So here's two people who are created by God in total and complete paradise. And after Eve encounters the serpent, their stunning fall is recorded in Genesis chapter 3. I could just go on and on with questions about that. But verse 8 says, They heard the sound of God walking in the garden in the cool evening breeze, and they hid themselves from him. Now, by this time in creation, there were tons of vegetation and wildlife in the garden, and yet they were able to hear and recognize the footsteps, the presence of God himself. Now, surprisingly, I was shocked to learn the Bible does not actually say that God walked with Adam in the garden, though I've preached that myself many times. But it does say that when they hear God walking, they hid from him and his presence behind one of the trees. Adam actually tried to hide himself from the very God who created him. God, whom he obviously had cultivated some type of relationship with. In chapter 2, it says that after God created the beasts and the birds, he actually brought them to Adam and allowed him to name them. In fact, it says whatever the man called a living creature, that was his name. When I read that, I don't feel like I'm reading about some kind of casual relationship. I don't know. It just doesn't seem that way to me. Then there's the whole encounter with the serpent, and they instantly know that they just messed up. And what do they do? They run and hide behind a tree. A tree. On, on one hand, that seems so crazy to me. But on the other hand, I have to admit, I can totally relate. There have been times in my life that I have been less than stellar <laughs> in my behavior. And upon the reality of my sinful stupidity, I have tried to hide myself from the Lord. But when you say it out loud and think about it, doesn't the idea of that just sound totally ridiculous? As if it could ever be possible to hide anywhere that God, who created everything, could not see you or find you. David said this in Psalm 139, 7-10, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take up the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me, and your right hand will take hold of me. To have such an intimate knowledge of your creator and still run and hide from him. It's just wild for me when I think about it. And as much 
of a bad rap Adam and Eve got for that horrible choice they made, I wonder how that whole picture could have been different if they had just run to God in repentance instead of running away from him. Surely there is no way to tell, but without question, there is something to tell about the mercy and kindness and compassion of God, even when we don't get it right. There's two stories I want to tell you, two more stories. I believe it was a few weeks ago when I talked about Saul and his grievous mistake of not fully executing God's instruction concerning the Amalekites. If you didn't hear that, scroll back a few episodes and check it out. Um, when Samuel the prophet called him out on it, which was First Samuel 15, he said, Yeah, I know I disobeyed you and God, but I was afraid of the people and I listened to their voice instead of God's. And then Saul did a curious thing, curious to me. In verse 25, even though he acknowledged that he had sinned against God, he asked Samuel to pardon or forgive him for not obeying. And in verse 30, he said this, I have sinned, yeah, but please honor me before the elders of my people and before all Israel and go back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. So even after being called out, though Saul did acknowledge that he sinned against God in disobedience, he was still more concerned with how he looked in front of the people than how his sin looked to God. Of course, this was the incident that preceded the judgment that tore the kingdom from Saul's hand and gave it to David, but check out his imperfect successor, the one called a man after God's own heart. We all love David the king, not just because of the many psalms that he wrote that have comforted us, but because he was imperfect like us, and he messed up really badly, and yet God still loved him and said that he was a man after his own heart. But there was something very different about David. It's interesting that Saul kind of, sort of obeyed the Lord, just not completely. And the result of that not completely was that the kingdom was torn away from his hands. But David, there was nothing at all obedient about what he did. You know the story. His men are out at war and he's home up on the roof and sees the beautiful Bathsheba bathing. Now, David was married at this time, and he knew that she was married too, but still he decided he had to have her. She gets pregnant. Then he sends her husband, who happens to be one of his soldiers out fighting for him, he sends this man to the front line of the battle so that he would be killed and then, just like with Saul, God sent a prophet to deal with it. This time, the prophet was Nathan. And when he confronted David about his sin, David said immediately, I have sinned against the Lord. In fact, Psalm 51 is the prayer that he prayed when Nathan rebuked him. Here's what some of what he prayed. You should read the whole thing. But some of it is this. Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithfulness, according to the greatness of your compassion Wipe out my wrongdoings. 
Wash me thoroughly from my guilt and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my wrongdoings and my sin is constantly before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. He goes on later to say, Create in me a clean heart, God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. And then towards the end, he says this, for you do not delight in sacrifice. Otherwise, I would give it to you. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings, but the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken heart and contrite heart, God, you will not despise. These are not the words of a guy who just wanted to get on with it or wanted to hide from it and get the sin behind him. These are the words of a guy who understood that as awful as what he did to Uriah was, his sin was against the Lord and him alone. There were consequences to be sure. The child that Bathsheba conceived died, and the enemies of the Lord were given an occasion to blaspheme him, and the generational impact of David's sin was seen immediately thereafter in the life of Solomon his son. But 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 13 says that the Lord had taken away David's sin. And it also says that he did not receive the punishment which was due him for what he did, which was death. And that wasn't even the last time David messed up. In 1 Chronicles 21, near the end of his life, Satan provoked him to displease the Lord by taking a census. And again, he immediately turned to God and confessed his sin and asked for forgiveness. And again, there was a consequence. This time, David was allowed to choose the punishment he would receive, either three years of famine, three months of being beat down by his enemies, or three days of the sword of the Lord in the form of a plague. There was no point in which David shrunk back and tried to negotiate for himself. But what he said was this in verse 13, I am in great distress, but please let me fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are very great. Even though he knew that those three days of punishment would be great. In fact, there were 70,000 men who fell in those three days alone. He was still more willing to allow God to chastise him than to be put in the hands of anyone else. Listen, there's no question that we all fall short and miss the mark from time to time. And there are several ways to deal with it when you do. What made David so dear to the heart of God was not his perfection. It was his confidence in a God who loved him even when he had to discipline him. Now, I know we don't hear very much about the discipline or chastisement of the Lord. But we would all do well to acknowledge that when our choices, actions, and decisions do not please the Lord, there are always consequences. And those consequences, when we allow ourselves to be disciplined by the Lord, that discipline is for our good. Though it never feels good at the time, like Paul said in Hebrews chapter 12, the discipline of the Lord is a demonstration of his love. And through it, he allows us to share in his holiness. While you're dealing with it, it always seems painful. But in the end, when we are trained by it, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So here's three stories. Adam, Saul, and David. 
three choices, three sins, three different responses when the Lord called them out. Mistakes don't have to be the end of anything. And even when we don't fail as spectacularly as these three did, still, there will always be consequences. But I just want to encourage you, if you find yourself in a place of opposition to the heart and will of God, please, family, run to him and not away from him. There's no place you can hide from his presence anyway. Make it a point to keep short accounts. What do I mean? Be quick to repent whenever he makes something clear to you that he is not pleased with in your life. And know that your actions involve more than just you and the person you are saying or doing it to or with. Everything we do, everything we say, it all impacts him. It all matters to him and the world is watching us. What they see in us becomes their perception of who God is. So I'm challenging you. Represent him well. And just know you don't have to be perfect, but you do need to have a heart toward him if you're going to live boldly every day out loud.